This is uh, going to be a very interesting podcast. The last one I did was called um, Timing is Everything, and I recorded that on my actual birthday. Here we are a week out from the 2020 presidential election, and this one is called It's About Time. So I think you're going to very much enjoy It's About Time because it's next level. And if you haven't listened to Timing is Everything, please go back and listen because life is cumulative which was the name of another podcast I did right at the beginning, like a few years ago. Uh, Sound Guy Tony and I are trying to figure out how to put the archives of all of my podcasts onto my website, MoniqueMarvez.com. I finally have a big people website. So I'm letting you know all of these things because I want you to be able to find all things, Monique, that you like quickly and easily. So as they used to say when I was a kid, on with the show, this is it. Um, so it's about time. The first segment is I want to talk about how it's a time to act. And when I say that, I mean, everything in life happens for a reason. And I know that that sounds extremely cliche, but I have so many friends that even just speculate like how this started and why it started. And and this is what I wrote in my journal. It doesn't matter if it was a bat, a Harvard scientist, Putin, or Tony Soprano's mother. (laughs) Like, it's really that irrelevant. The only thing that makes sense is that we are a connected, collective, unconscious. Human beings are, we're connected, whether you want to believe it or not, whether you understand quantum physics or not. People are connected. There is a gravitational field between particles. And and I believe that that creates a collective unconscious. And I'm not the only person that believed that. A couple other smart guys like uh, Carl Jung, Albert Einstein. Um, but this is where I go kind of next level, where I say that everything is sort of an answer to a prayer. Even a, what we want to call a bad thing, if we want to judge it as a bad thing, is an answer to a cry, to a, to a send out, to a... You know, to the collective unconscious saying, you know, it would, you know, it would be pretty interesting right now, uh, a pandemic. <laughs> how about a, a pause for the cause? How about, how about we pump the brakes? How about we slow it down? Uh, whatever, whatever. That's the way I choose to see it. And the, the, the key to success for me, and again, I'm not telling you that this will work for you, but the key to my success is that the worse the thing that happens to me appears to be, if if I judge it as a bad thing, if it's a challenge, the bigger the challenge, the more I make it a fun game, a riddle, to say if everything is an answer to a prayer, what might I have prayed for that made this event occur? So, you know, the key is to just kind of remember what you prayed for. And then I went on to write that COVID is a blanket. It's hibernation. It's the slowing of destruction while the acceleration of introspection. Now, a lot of people are not really keen on introspection. They're not really keen on being alone. They're not really keen on what I call not having zip dang. When I was a kid, you know, my dad would take us to museums on vacations. He would take us to educational places on vacation. And he would say, we're going to do the educational stuff and then we'll do the zip dang. And we knew what Zip Dang. Zip Dang was amusement parks and the wharf and, you know, and and Alcatraz. Like, that was the Zip Dang on family vacations. But there was also a lot of, 
you're going to find out about the history of what, like, for instance, we, we learned about Frank Lloyd Wright, and then we went to the Civic Center in Marin County, which was a building that he designed, and we went to the, to the Redwood Forest, and we went through that giant tree back in the day when you could drive through the giant tree, and we actually had to take sweaters because we looked it up back in the day when you had to look stuff up, and it wasn't on your phone where you actually would research. I actually researched our vacations as a child in the World Book Encyclopedia, and I remember that it took me forever when we were supposed to go to Italy to be able to research because I was such a child. I was in fourth grade that I had it written down in my notes as the 16 chapel, not the Sistine chapel because I was a kid and I didn't ask anybody because it made sense to me to correct me. So after you know a few days of not being able to find anything about the 16 chapel, Imagine how that world is now that the minute you type something wrong into your phone, it corrects you and says, did you mean the Sistine Chapel? <laughs> but that didn't happen in the 1970s. You had to stick with a mistake until you figured it out on your own, which took a, a minute for a fourth grader. But we researched Muir Woods, and they said that it, typically it was 10 to 15 degrees colder than whatever was around it when you drove into the woods. And we were very excited that we knew to go in with our sweaters tied around our necks. Like, you know, you know what kind of people wear sweaters tied around their necks with popped collars. And, you know, I don't usually like to use the word douchebogging, but, <laughs> but we all walked in with our little 1980s sweaters and popped collars. So, uh, so the reason why I'm saying this is because I grew up understanding the benefit long-term of taking the time to dig deeper, to learn, to research. And as soon as I could figure out that, you know, the challenge that I might have prayed for was that during COVID, I was going to force myself to learn you know, about algorithms or YouTube or you know, uh, just whatever that I was good. I mean, you're watching this podcast most likely on YouTube. You can listen to it, but there's a pretty good chance that you are now one of the 4,400 and growing quickly subscribers. It took me six months to get to 4,000 people and the last 400, 10% have come to me in two weeks. And people are now saying, you know, your comedy was recommended by the YouTube algorithm. I did I wouldn't you might as well have walked up to me like the old Steve Martin joke and said, "Can I mambo dog face to the banana patch?" because I wouldn't have understood what you would have said to me. But I've taken this time to act. To act. That's why this podcast is called It's About Time. Because you have the opportunity under the blanket, under the cover of COVID to act, to to play guitar, to make sourdough bread, to whatever it is. Take action, some form of physical engagement, because I have found that when you get your body moving, when you put your physical car in gear, then you start moving. There's something about the, the physicality of the body moving that loosens the brain and gets the brain moving. You know, it, it's physics, uh, uh, you know, a rolling stone grows no moss or I, I don't know the other one about like a, a, a state, you know, an object that's standing still is more likely to stand still. I mean, I, 
I used to know these things. I'll research them again because I have time. But the point is, I have not spent the last eight months trying to figure out what's next on my watch list. I'm not, oh, I already watched Succession. What's next? I already watched Tiger King. Or I'm going to tell you a good one, though, for real. And it's pretty short. Don't F with cats. It's, pretty, it's not what you think. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not guilty of watching things. I've watched things as a, as, a, as a rest after I've acted. In the last few weeks, I, since August, I can tell you right now, since August 31st, August 31st, I started a three-week writing journal daily where it was like a writing prompt. It was a, a writing intensive camp. Uh, I'm just, you know, have friends checking in with me saying, hey, are you doing your podcast? The answer is yes. Uh, and I'll respond. That's my little friend, Eva. And Eva and I walk together. We walk around Hancock Park in the evenings because the writing intensive made me look around and say, well, I'm exercising my brain. Uh, what, what else can I exercise? And then I started doing Kim Constable's butt camp. And I've talked about that on a couple of different occasions because I'm pretty impressed with myself that, uh, that I'm sticking with the butt camp because A, I feel very stupid using all my homemade equipment, like literally doing pull-ups with a broomstick between two Lucite bar stools. But what are you going to do? But all of these things have made me self-sufficient that in a weird way, I'm like, well, now I have all of these complete, literally kick-ass exercises that I can do in a hotel room, in a cruise ship if I don't feel like mingling with the guests because I'm being extra careful. I have all of these writing prompts to keep my brain fresh and continue to create content. I haven't made any sourdough bread. I don't, I don't anticipate that happening. But what I really think will free your mind, if I don't get you to move your body and I don't get you to stop binge-watching television, because I'm not judging and that's not my gig. My gig isn't to get you to act any differently than you act unless you choose to. Because I do believe that this is a time to act. Action. But if I can't make you act physically, I'm going to give you an enormous, like, remember the old, I get exercises from, you know, leaping to conclusions. One of the things that I've started doing as a result of COVID is that I've stopped jumping to conclusions and living in speculation. I'm very, very comfortable now over the last eight months. And I'm talking about somebody who really enjoys being right. <laughs> I can say that about myself. Hey, I know myself. But what I've really enjoyed and embraced in these last eight months where let's face it, the world's gone bananas and we've had to admit that we have lost all cabin pressure is that I enjoy now telling people that's above my pay grade. That's my new answer. Well, you know why it's above my pay grade? Because who's getting paid? You know, who's, Comedians aren't essential. But at the end of the day, that's above my pay grade. I don't know. That's just speculation. Who has the real answer? I'm going to look it up on Snopes. I don't know the answer to a lot of things. I don't know how many people have had COVID. I don't know how many people have died. I don't know to what percentage of the population it's fatal. I don't know these statistics. I knew them at the beginning for a minute, and then I stopped keeping up with them because I thought, what's the point? 
And insofar as, you know, all of the other stuff, if I, as soon as I stopped, and I don't even want to call it worrying, speculating, as soon as I allowed myself to be comfortable in the void, as soon as I really embraced how much I didn't know about anything, about this disease, about our society, about the election, about what's next, about when I'm going to work again, about when I'm going to get back on a cruise ship, about anything, about when I'm going to be able to go to Paris again, about when I'm going to be able to go to New York or New Orleans again, about when that's going to be considered semi-safe. Don't know. It's above my pay grade. What I do know is that with all of that free time, I've taken action. I read the ballots. I researched what the actual referendums and, you know, vote no on this and vote yes on that. I've never done that in my entire voting life. (laughs) I didn't have the time or the inclination. Now I had the time and the curiosity. There's something on there about, about kidney dialysis centers. Like that's how specific some of these things can be. As soon as I stopped speculating, I shrugged my shoulders. I said, I don't know. It freed me mentally and physically to take action and move in other directions. That if nothing else, even if it's not 100% beneficial for me to know what every single vote is about, because some stuff, I was ambivalent. I was like, I don't think that affects me, or this affects me tremendously, or this kind of affects me, but I think it's all BS, you know? As soon as I got into that headspace and made it all kind of a game, because at the end of the day, isn't it kind of a game? Can't you make anything fun? Can't this be like, you know, like the just a spoonful of sugar? You know, there is an element of fun. There could even be an element of fun in the whole slowing down of the process if you choose to make it a game to find out what it is you can act upon under the cover of darkness. Consider yourself a cat burglar that's going to steal guitar lessons before we have to go back to our regular lives. Consider yourself a secret chef that's going to cook the same thing eight times because the first seven is going to suck, but the eighth, it's going to be delicious. Consider this a, a cover under which you can snatch and steal and grab and have and play. Remember, remember Marco Polo? Remember hide and seek? Make it a game. Act on it. It's about time. That's the end of the first segment. So we're doing uh, part two now. Part two of It's About Time. It's very funny because every time I say It's About Time, when I was a little girl, there was a very weird television show called, uh, and I don't remember what the name of the actual show, but the theme song was It's About Time, It's About Space. I'm going to have to look it up. Now I'm, now I'm like, hmm, what was that show? And it was kind of popular in the very late 60s, maybe early 70s. I have a record here. This is an actual record, Electra record. And the song is, uh, on the front, it's Fast Car, 4 minutes and 26 seconds. On the back, it's For You, 3 minutes and 9 seconds. So this... This 45, this 45 has been in my life 
since 1988. That's a long, 32 years, the summer of 88, because I can remember the first time I heard the song Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. I remember it. It was on my second trip to Los Angeles. I made a family trip in the summer of 1981, and then I made what I thought was a grown-up girl, you know, trip in the summer of 88 with my, you know, boyfriend. I came out here with my boyfriend. He was already out here with family and sent me a plane ticket and picked me up at LAX. And we went to the Beverly Center. And I remember him telling me that was back in the day when you had paper tickets. He mailed me a paper ticket to Miami and said, don't miss the flight. It's a non-refundable ticket. And uh, I flew here. And I remember we were standing in the Hard Rock which there was no hard rock in Miami at that time. You know, hard rock was a big deal. And we were at the hard rock. It's so funny telling you the story. And we were waiting to be seated. I can close my eyes and picture what the inside of the restaurant looked like. And we were waiting to be seated. And the song Fast Car came on. And I remember thinking to myself, "What, what is that? sound that guitar and that voice that yearning that that sound of Tracy Chapman you know in your arm wrapped tight around my shoulder and I had a feeling I belonged I could be someone there was something about that feeling and I'm and I'm a sensitive person that I just stood there riveted listening to the words listening to the music feeling it and it it just it rocked me. It rocked my molecules. And keep in mind, this was just when you were kind of switching over to cassette singles. And I could have bought Fast Car probably, I didn't even look, on a cassette single. But I remember saying to my boyfriend how much I loved that song that we had just heard. And this was before, you know, there was no Shazam. There was no, there was no anything. There was no cell phone. I think I had a, beeper. I think I had a beeper. <laughs> you couldn't Wikipedia. And, and I asked him, uh, I said, I would like to go to a record store. Here I was in LA doing that ultimate LA thing. I went to a record store and I asked, you know, I just heard this song and it talked about, I, I remember driving in your car and the guy was like, oh, that's fast car. And the funny thing about fast car that I remember is that the urban stations didn't play it because it was not urban enough. I mean, think about what the music was in 1988. And the pop stations didn't play it because it was soulful. And and somehow this song, this song became an enormous hit. And I remember seeing Tracy Chapman at the Grammys. And life is about moments. It's about, it's about moments that are pearls that you that you polish in your mind and you remember them and you add them to the string of your life. And I remember seeing this woman walk out on stage and we all know the music industry is, you know, they're, they're pretty hard customers, especially in 1988. It's a different world now. I mean, do people even still watch the Grammys? But in 1988, before Spotify and Pandora and Sirius XM and 
even to some degree CDs. I mean, CDs. CDs were early 90s, late 80s. This Tracy Chapman walked out on stage in her jeans with her hair and her worn guitar that she'd played on the streets of Boston. And she sang that song. And in fact, I'm going to look it up on YouTube because we have YouTube. I'm going to look it up. And I hope it's there. And there was Tracy Chapman singing Fast Car at the Grammys. And they panned the audience of these very jaded, cynical, many of them wealthy, successful, powerful people. And people were crying. People were moved. People were moved. And the other hit song was uh, talking about a revolution. And the funny thing is, during this pandemic, you know, we've had a lot happen coming into this 2020 election. One of them was, you know, I, I don't even want to talk about the specifics of the BLM movement, but I've been alive long enough to remember other moments in history where we had very open, electrified discussions. And when I say that, I don't want to say contentious. I don't want to say conflict or controversy. I'm just saying when you're passionate about something, when something is important, when it matters, when it resonates, there is an electrical feeling to a conversation that isn't just a matter of opinion or we'll take that under consideration when it's a next level kind of situation. And I just, about a week ago, and I'm sure it's because the algorithm or when you're looking for something, but about a month ago, I saw, I watched a movie that I'd seen advertised in the theater, but never bothered or gave it much thought called Idlewild. And it's basically outcast version of a Baz Luhrmann film. It's predominantly African-American cast. And I watched the film and I'm sure it was because of everything going on and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you can see the programming around you and what's available and I, after I watched the film, I downloaded The Outcast, The Love Below, and, and, uh, and I have it on CD. I own it. It's here in this apartment. But I said, you know what? I would like this on my phone for when I walk. I just like, you know, hey, yeah, you know, and, and both of them. In case you don't know, what it's a double album from both members of Outcast, and one side is called The Love Below, and I don't even remember what the other side is called, and I don't even think it matters. They're both great. And today, I'm driving down the street, and there's an Amazon music ad that says Discover, and then it has in parentheses R-E as in Rediscover, Outcast. And I was thinking about, about timing, the timing of artists, the timing of their voice, the timing of their message, the timing of, you know, in radio, we call it plated as a current. And then all of a sudden, something will come back around with more force, with more power, with more timing because it's the right time, because it's in alignment with the zeitgeist of the day. And yesterday, I was driving home from San Francisco with my mother. I had done a gig over the weekend in Alameda, and here we are. You know, we're in late October in NorCal, 
And this wonderful club decided we're not just going to throw in the towel. We're going to fight the good fight. And if we have this many seats and this many drinks sold and this many people order food, we could make it through this. We could. Because talk about timing. Can you imagine if you were a business that sunk? In fact, there's in right here in L.A., near Fairfax, across from the farmer's market, and 3rd Street, and I took a picture of it. There's something called like the Britney Spears Fun Zone Experience or something that I don't know if it ever even opened. So it's pink building with a big painting of Britney Spears. Evidently, it's the ultimate Britney Spears fan experience. I don't know who invested in that. But imagine if you were a person who in January or February was thinking, this is going to be my year. It's 2020. I'm going to sink my life savings or my nest egg or my retirement into this business, i.e. restaurant, comedy club, you know, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, you're staring down the barrel of COVID. And what do you do with that? How do you turn that challenge into a game, into something that's like, we're, we're just not throwing in the towel? So yesterday on my drive home from performing at this club, the Alameda Comedy Club, if you're in the neighborhood, support. These people are amazing. And my mother and I are listening to a, to a playlist that I've made on my phone that includes Outcast and Fast Car. And I'm thinking about how the time is always right to create something that's next level, that rocks your molecules, that's authentic, that speaks to something that matters to you. There's, there would never have been a bad time to paint a starry night. There would never have been a bad time to record, you know, the Rack 9, Rachmaninoff, or any Beethoven, or Outcast, or It's Not Unusual by Tom Jones, or any Queen song, <laughs> pick, pick your choice. There's never a bad time to create things that are uplifting and transcendent. And I'm saying that because there's so many people right now that are just, you know, killing time, biding their time, grinding their gears, waiting for this to be over. And time is happening. It is passing. It is happening. It is occurring. There's still, even if it's COVID, there's still you know, 60 seconds in a minute and 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week, even if it doesn't feel that way. It's still about time. It's still that amount of time is still available to you every morning. You wake up with a bank account of 24 hours. And I say this because so many people are slipping into depression or obesity or spending themselves into debt and figuring I'll figure it out later. It just makes me happy to have to be on a first name basis with the Amazon man, you know, and I get that. I do. I totally do. But I think about when I was on KFI, I did a story when my, when I was a kid, me and my next door neighbor, Joe Beth Alvey, we used to fight first, you know, we would have like different rounds. And the first round was who do we love more? Elvis or Donny Osmond and the two of us would fight pretty pretty hard we would fight hard over that round but then when we would say like okay the winner of that round has to go up against David Cassidy David Cassidy always won 
that's it. Like we had Tiger Beat magazine. I remember having a kissing poster where you had a poster where they're like this, like, and it's a fold-out in the middle of Tiger Beat. And and when David Cassidy passed, after a lifetime of struggling, David Cassidy of the perfect hair of the Partridge family, I just saw an article, again, talk about time, that said 50 years ago, America was in love with the Partridge family. That's true. We were. We, it's hard for me to even believe. I don't even know how, how old Shirley Jones is or if she's still alive. But David Cassidy's final words on earth that were revealed by his daughter were so much wasted time. And how are we going to feel if at the end of this, whenever our lives go to whatever the next level is, and make no mistake, boys and girls, it's never going to go completely back to normal. That, that is my belief. I believe that we will have a, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a, a vaccine. The herd immunity is a little bit dodgy at this point because they're showing that it actually, the antibodies wear off. And, you know, just like we got used to having to have four ounces in a plastic container and a Ziploc bag and taking our shoes off, just like we got used to 9-11, I believe that social distancing and masks, and it, at the very least for the immune deficient, it used to be the odd thing when you saw somebody in public with a mask on. It was peculiar. You thought that they had a health condition or, you know, maybe they were a tourist because in other countries where the air quality isn't great, you know, there are people that wear masks, but they're pretty easy to spot. You can be like, oh, yeah, that's probably a Korean tourist or a Chinese tourist. And, and sometimes the ones that lived here, it's just old habits die hard. But I can tell you as an American who's lived 20 years in Los Angeles with a very large Asian population, masks were not even remotely commonplace. They were not. And I believe going forward, it's going to be one of those things. And eventually it might wear away, just like there was a time when men didn't leave their house without a hat. And there was a time when ladies didn't leave the house without a glove, you know, without gloves or a proper handbag. You didn't have like a fanny pack or stick stuff in your cargo pants or, or the zipper of your Lululemon jacket. If you were a lady and you left your house, you had a handbag. But those were different times. So I want to be very clear that right now in the here and now, we, are, we believe, and beliefs are powerful, that we're dealing with a very specific challenge that will be met and bested, and then our lives will go back to normal. That is the conversation that I hear. But if we're really honest with ourselves, are we not at some level of denial as, a, as, a, as an American society? And I say America because I think in other countries, they're used to so many other things. They're used to incredibly high gas prices. They're used to having to be careful because of possible terrorist attacks. They're used, like in other countries, they're just, they're used to massive strikes. They're used to not being able to catch a cab or having things arbitrarily locked. I mean, I've spent time in Paris. In this particular country, in the United States, where I live, we are very accustomed to things being convenient and comfortable and aesthetically pleasing and easy and basically the way we want them. 
how we want them, when we want them. And that's just not how it is right now. And it's been incredibly confounding. But think about in your own mind right now, if you're honest between you and the universe, you don't have to send me an email. I bet you could count on the fingers of at least one hand and maybe two good things that have come out of this time as time passes. I will bet you, I off the top of my hand, right off, bam, right here, I can, I can tell you, uh, first of all, my dog doesn't know what to do with herself. She's like, mommy is always home. This is amazing. My dog's become much, nestly, much less needy. Hardly barks at all because I'm home. She doesn't see the luggage. As soon as she saw the luggage come out, she'd start to get nervous. So my dog's happier. My house is cleaner. I don't have any boxes squirreled away in corners of books that haven't been looked at or paperwork that needs to be thrown away. When I first moved into this apartment for the first year, I had boxes. They were pretty decorative boxes I got at Marshall's, but I had boxes like under my desk, under the kitchen counter, in the corner of the bathroom, they're gone. I started cooking again. And not just like soup in the Vitamix. I'm talking, I made a cabbage. I basically took every vegetable that was going to spoil and chopped it up yesterday and then added some garlic and then put in some vegan sausage and did this big cabbage veggie scramble with vegan sausage. It was redonkulous. It wasn't just good. It was like stupid good. Um, I've, I've started a YouTube channel. I started doing my live three thirty on Facebook, which could take up the other four fingers because I've made friends around the world that are real friends. When I sign on YouTube at three thirty on, uh, Monique Marvez official fan page, there's 30 to 40 people that pop up every day. You tell me the last time you had 40 friends show up at a Starbucks that we're happy to see you. It's like a birthday party every day at 3.30. I have Felipe Navas in Washington, D.C. I have David Jonas in the U.K. I have a woman in the Canary Islands, Amber Hassan. That would have never happened. And I know these people. I have a wonderful one woman named Elena that asked the 3.30 group to pray for her. She, has, she had some health issues. And man, they were all over it. So, so, I mean, right here, I'm at eight, and they're big, joyful things. Number nine, I've got to see my nieces more. I've been to Northern California four times during COVID. I've so enjoyed, and my nieces are homeschooled now, so I get to see them. You know, I don't interrupt them when they're in front of the computer screen. And I have gotten to very much think about energetically what I want to act on, what I want to move towards, what I want the next part of my life to be like. I have gotten to dwell in possibility, dream bigger dreams, not allow the demon of despair or not knowing. If you don't know something, why wouldn't you fill in the void with something positive? Dreams have no calories. You should have the double fudge Sunday whipped cream of dreams. I dream every day that my, my YouTube channel blows up and I make Joe Rogan money and 
the book that I'm working on and I'm going to be releasing is a, a lit cast, sort of like I'm reading it online to you guys as I write it, is going to be a big deal. And I'll get to spend the remainder of my days interacting with you in a combination of in-person and virtual so that my friends in the UK and the Canary Islands feel just as loved and connected to me because that's the world we live in. This has been a global situation in a negative way and a global situation in a positive way. That's the end of the second part of timing. Uh, it's about time. Excuse me. It was timing is everything was the last one. This one is it's about time. This is the third segment of it's about time. And if you hear some quavering in my voice, uh, and I'm not going to have sound guy Tony fix it, I want you to hear it. It's because while we were changing the battery in the camera and having a sidebar discussion, I actually, on my phone, put the performance of Tracy Chapman singing Fast Car at the Grammys in 1988. The song was recorded in April of 87. I mean, I, I have a good memory, but you guys probably know that about me by now. And even re-watching this that I watched on television, when you watch TV on TV and the Grammys were a big deal, I remember seeing her performance and it was what we called water cooler talk. The next day at work, because I still had like a day corporate job, we talked about me and my friend Mark. I can picture Mark, if I close my eyes, this nice Jewish kid that was like an intern at the company. He was so young and so smart. And, and Mark and I sat and we talked about Tracy Chapman's performance and we talked about how the industry gave her not only a roaring standing O, but you could see tears on, in people's faces. And, and I just rewatched it and it brought the whole memory back to me with a, with a, with a power of a like boom to the chest. And I had already written out what this last segment's going to be, but I wanted to have that force because the last thing that I wrote, and it's funny because I, this is how I, I, I mean, I know you guys know this. Nothing is random or accidental when I write what I want to talk to you guys about. And life is cumulative. You know, it is cumulative. It does add up. Nothing is wasted or random. Every single effort that you put into everything pays off in some way. At the very least, you learn, well, I'm not going to do that again. Or... I always tell people that I don't believe that I fail at things. I believe I get closer to getting it right, that every time is sort of a test effort. That's the way I choose to see it. And when I say, you know, timing is everything, this COVID has been, you know, the pause for the cause, the COVID, the, COVID, the pandemic, the, the whatever you want to call it. In my mind, the way I choose to reframe it is that, it is a time for us to ask a little bit more of ourselves. We have to remember to wash our hands all the time and spray them or put antibacterials or be mindful of other. I met a guy today on, on Larchmont and I put my hand out and he turned his elbow and I was like, of course, I'm old school. He was an older fella. And I figured, you know, I've got antibacterial in my purse. I'm still getting used to being mindful of the elbows and the don't touches and the, you know, I get it. I'm, I'm still a little bit 
you know, the whole idea, I remember at the beginning of all of this, Dr. Fauci saying that the handshake is something that is probably going to go away and never come back. And that's troubled me. And I've talked about that before on, on the live stream, I believe, because the handshake is such an American thing. It's so, and I say that just because I grew up here. It might be a very, you know, English thing if you're in England. But my point is, it's a sign of authenticity. I have an open hand. There's nothing hidden. You know, shake my hand. We have a handshake deal. This is my hand. It's such an important part of who we are. It's got all these little teeny tiny bones and it has our fingerprints and our individuality. And it, it says your hands say so much about you. When people read your palm, they don't read your elbow. You've never heard of the study of, they have the study of palmistry. They don't have the study of elbowstry because, because it is a special part of our bodies. And touch is so important. And touch has changed so much. And that is a challenge. And we have to decide who we touch and how we touch them. And what we have to do before and after we touch them. But we can touch people without ever physically touching them. That's what a good meal does. That's what food does. That's what crocheting does. You mail somebody something you crocheted or knitted. Or you made something with your hand, but it's once removed from your hand when you pass it on. And I want you to think about these things. Because I think it's time for us to ask more of ourselves. COVID has already challenged us to think more of how we interact physically with one another on earth. Our physical interaction. We have to be mindful of that. But how great would it be if we put the absolute same amount of effort or even to the next level of how we interact energetically, verbally, spiritually? How much effort do you put into a conversation? I can tell you right now, when I have an important phone call, before I answer the phone, if I see somebody's name on call waiting, or before I make an important call, if somebody said, reach out to me, follow up, whether it has to do with my job or whatever it is, I set the intention for the call. I ask myself, what is the win? What do I want from this call? Well, I want them to book me or I want them to agree to a price or I want them to like me or trust me or decide that they want to move forward with a particular project. What, what am I trying to accomplish? How can I set the tone? In a conversation recently I had with my brother, there were some charged issues on sort of the family table. And rather than think about them in that way, I asked, I said, you know, what is your plan and what are you doing, you know, about this, this, and this, and where can I plug in and be of service and of help to you? As opposed to coming at it like, you know, the way we sometimes approach people, I completely recalibrated based on being mindful of my energetic contact, of my intent contact, and said, hey, let me frame it of, you've got a lot on your plate, or you have some challenges. How can I be of service? How can I alleviate? How can I vector in to change the trajectory of the situation to something that rises up? that's positive, that's, that makes 
both of our lives better. Mine for having been of service and to make something go well, which always makes you feel good. And the older I get, the more I see that it's the invisible that matters the most. It's the, it's the stuff that runs on the electrical currents of, uh, again, of music, of art. I'm not saying don't watch movies or television. I've watched The Sopranos twice during lockdown, and it's my treat because it's so brilliant for, in so many ways that I don't want to get into on this podcast. But every time I see it, I see something deeper and more interesting and more nuanced and layered that I even wonder how deep David Chase himself went and at what point I'm just adding to it in my own mind. But it's sort of my treat because I don't let myself turn the television set on in my house until I've accomplished everything I set out to do that day. Whatever it is, even if it's something as simple as replant my succulents because the sun has changed on my patio because of the time of year, because we're now in our third season of this situation. We are in the third season of the pause for the cause. And because of direct sunlight and the way things have shifted, my succulents weren't looking so hot. So I'm not saying that every single thing I do is of vast importance. It isn't. Whether I'm cooking, whether I'm cleaning, whether I'm writing, whether I'm working on the book, whether I'm figuring out material for you, for this podcast, or the live stream, or the 3.30, or I'm replanting my succulents. I try to continue to move forward because it's about the time. It's about using this time. This is not going to go on forever at this level. It's not. In fact, as I told you earlier, this is being recorded one week before the general election. And I'm pretty certain that a lot of this, to some degree, is politicized. I don't like saying that. I'm not going to give my opinion on what specifically I think has been politicized. But clearly, we can see on both sides where the lockdown rules, the mask being enforced, goes down different color states, you know, and the the red states, people tend to have a more lenient, cavalier attitude of the disease and the precautions. And in the blue states, they tend to be a little more orthodox and conservative in their stance. Again, not my circus, not my monkey, not getting into it. But this is not going to stay at this level. People cannot stay this torqued this long. As much as I tell people to that when there's something going on that you can't control, when you're in the void, and let's face it, nobody really knows everything. I said it in the first segment. We spend an enormous amount of time as human beings speculating. Within our own families, we speculate, what's so-and-so going to do? What's going on with their marriage? All gossip really is, is speculation. Because if you're not in another person's head or home or marriage, you really don't know what's going on. Now, there are facts when you say Chuck Jones got arrested. That's a fact. When you find out today, David Rainier got 120 years because of being some kind of sex cult leader with Nexium. That's a fact. But the details of what went on with him and those girls, 
there's only so much specificity that we can get. We can get it through court records, but you don't know what the permanent damage is. You don't know what the long-lasting effect is. We spend an enormous amount of time as human beings speculating, filling in the void, gossiping, talking about things that we can never, ever know for sure. I don't, I, I'm not going to do that on the other side of this. I don't do it now. The time that I've spent by myself, I've actually used this time to pick up every relationship, just like it's on Zoom, just like it's, you know, and look at it and say, what do we really have in common? What are we going to do together when this is over? What do I do with you? Oh, I, I sh- we like to eat lunch and shop. Well, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be doing a lot of shopping. It took me a long time to organize my apartment and take a bunch of stuff to thrift and donate a bunch of stuff to the homeless. I don't, I, I'm good. If I didn't buy anything new for six months, a year, a year and a half, I'm good. Perishables, candles, incense, soap, you know, that kind of stuff. I've had time to really look at how, how abundantly I do live, how many nice things, how many purses can you carry, how many shoes can you wear. And Well, I'll tell you the best way to find out. Don't go anywhere. Don't have any reason to dress up for eight months. <laughs> then you realize how much you really have. And you realize that you usually end up wearing the same stuff all the time anyway, or a, a lot of it, a lot of the time. The contrast of this being so different than any other time in any of our lives, we all keep using the word unprecedented. We were just talking about that, but there's really no other word. This is unprecedented. But I look at that relationship and I say, hopefully me and this person can find other common ground besides shopping and eating lunch. Or maybe you have that one friend that's the friend that you save up the bad stuff for. It's the friend that you go to happy hour with, or it's the friend that you, you know, you never smoke until you're with them and they smoke. And then you bum a couple of cigarettes off of them while you're hanging out, you know, having your talking gossip and drinking Cosmos again, zero judgment. And I'm not telling you not to do these things. I'm telling you, not to do them by attrition. I'm telling you that it's about time for us to ask more of ourselves, to, to, to be accountable of how we have used this time, but more importantly, all the things we won't take for granted on the other side of this and how we'll use that time. Think about if you have felt lonely or depressed, how an elderly person in your life might feel that the only interaction they've had with you prior to COVID was Facebook or a text or, or a video of you and your kids doing something. I hope that some of you have made decisions that when this is over, you're going to ask yourself to do things that might be inconvenient. Maybe you're going to go visit that elderly aunt that was so good to you when you were a child. And somehow, day after day, week, month, and year pass, that you don't go visit that aunt until it was no longer an option and you realized you couldn't. And you realize that you might even lose them without the ability of, even if you got to give them the elbow or not hug them or be six feet away, how nice is it to sit six feet away from that aunt 
who was the one person who really thought the world of you when you were a kid or uncle or grandma or grandpa. It's about time that we ask more of ourselves within this lockdown because we're, we're nearing the end, boys and girls. It's going to shift yet again. I'm guaranteeing you after the election, before the holidays, it's not going to stay this way. We have a, a few more weeks of this and then it's going to shift to another near normal, you know, new normal, nearer to what we're used to that we're going to have to recalibrate, readjust, whether it's, you know, some schools are saying that the kids are going to go back in the second semester, that they'll go back after the holidays. Use this time. Make it your freshman effort to do something. I say that because Fast Car was Tracy Chapman's freshman effort. That whole first album came out of her, and I didn't Wikipedia this, I remember this. Her first album, and, and you always hear about, you know, the sophomore slump, that her, her second album did just fine too. But that first album had been developed and honed and played on the streets of Boston. I'm pretty sure it was Boston. I'll look it up afterwards. But the point I'm making is, now's your time to make all of your freshman efforts. Your freshman effort at cooking, at, at taking a, a run at that screenplay or that one sheet, or wh whatever it is. And the Bible says not to curse the day of small beginnings. Or you always hear people say, take baby steps. Take baby steps. But I'm going to put it to you a different way. And especially after watching Fast Car at the Grammys live and being so moved by it. when she, For that split second in the chorus when she sings, you know, city lights laid doubt before us and your arm felt right wrapped round my shoulder. And I had a feeling that I belong, that I could be someone. Think about how you felt the last time you fell in love or had a great first date or coffee or flirtation. You know that moment when you're firing on all of your pistons and it just feels right and you're electrical. Like I say, you're charged up. You've got that energy. When you have that energy that you're firing on all your pistons, it's not about small beginnings. It's not about baby steps. It's not about freshman effort. It's the exact opposite. It's all about something that's as old as forever, which is love, excitement, engagement, connection. Think about how that feels and do whatever it takes to, to find that feeling. Find whatever song or video or passage from a book or moment when you made the perfect speech in high school Whatever, you, 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 you did the play, you caught the pass, you, whatever it was, every single person within the sound of my voice has had that moment where something sparked you up. The first time you walked into Disneyland and saw the train, whatever it was that lit you up, harness that energy and use it for the, for the next few weeks, months year, however long we're continuing to adjust and recalibrate. Use all you have to do the best that you can to not just let time pass without being fully used. Like, a, like when you suck the bone marrow 
you ever taken that little bitty spoon, I want you not to let this pause for the cause, this very unprecedented moment in our history pass without you getting out of it the most that you can and not just letting it click away. That is my hope for you. I hope that you've enjoyed It's About Time. The Monique Marvez Show, ending the way I always do. Love hard, forgive harder, and get as happy as you can as fast as you can.